How about that? And it's a beautiful Kokomo Friday here on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Man, we had a lot of offense yesterday. We had a triple dong. We had several double dongs. We're going to talk about that. And we had a five-walk game from a guy who doesn't walk. Uh, Chris and Scott, I would say that so far this year, we've had some three-homer games. We haven't had a four-homer game, have we? I don't think so. Okay. We've had... Three no-hitters, one of them combined, one from Manaya, one from Paxton. I really think the most remarkable thing that we have seen all season was Rugnet Odor drawing five walks yesterday. Okay, so before yesterday's game, for his career, Rugnet Odor had averaged five walks every 25.5 games. Games? Games. games. Yeah, I mean, he had 19 <laughs> walks two years ago when you know In- he got... Yeah, in 150 games. 150 games. Yeah, right. So, like, this is one of those things where, um, you look and see that in the box score and you're like, have I gone to a parallel universe where Rugnet Odor is a different player than he was in my own? Uh, it's and amazing. To be clear, he was walking more yeah. before yesterday's game. Yeah. But he had 22 walks in the entire season before yesterday's game also. Yeah, no, now, um, here were the two stats I saw on CBSSports.com. Uh, Great site. Yeah, very good site. Uh, Stat Muse said Rugnet Odor became this, – this is a – think about this. He became the, for, the fourth player since 1906, I believe, with five walks and a home run in the same game. The other three are Hank Aaron, Mark McGuire, and Edgar Martinez. Guys who all walked a lot. And they're all in the Hall of uh, McGuire's on the Hall of Fame. Did Edgar well, make it? Well, neither is Edgar Martinez. Only it. one of them's in the Hall of Fame. It's not be. that impressive, Adam. Edgar will this Edgar, year. Okay. I feel pretty confident saying he will make it this year. Uh, the other stat from Stats by Stats. Root Netador had never had five-plus unintentional walks in an entire August before last night. He had five unintentional walks last night. So he, right. he has been uh, on fire. In July, he hit 341 with six homers and six steals. He's 82% owned. He was on the sleepers hitters, hitters list. His ownership's gone up since then. Uh, last week, that is. Anything to say here about Odor? I mean, specifically with the walks, just kind of like a crazy fluke day, or is this a changed hitter? Uh, he's not that changed. He's not gonna, he's not gonna become a high walks guy. And I would also say, like, he, I don't think he's going to be an elite second baseman, even though he's performed that way, um, really even going back before July. Basically, since the start of June, I he is he's he's going to be good, but he's going to be like he's walked at a ten percent clip since the start of June. That is that's what that's good. That's like average. That's that's above average. Average is average is about eight point five percent. So I I don't know. I don't know what's going. Is that counting the five walks? Yeah, that's counting the five walks. (laughs) But still, even. You know, even if you take that out, yeah. it's well above his career. Like, he's been an average walk guy, if you I, take that out. I think he is going to be a guy who is always on the border of being a top 12 second baseman. He's going to, like, bounce in and out of the top 12 based on how hot he is. 
Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, he deserves to be 82% owned, maybe even a little more than that, if that's who he is. Okay. Scoperg, Odor, rest of season. I'd actually like Scope a little more. Okay. So that's your stat of the day, or your stats of the day, all that stuff about Rugnet Odor. Here's your tweet of the day. It's from Scott White. Very, very funny tweet. Uh, somebody named Joe Ryder on Twitter said, Kyle Bearclaw, or he, he said, no, I gotta get it right. He said, Bearclaw is totally lost right now. And Scott said, look behind the crullers. And I just thought it was brilliant. Well done. I did debate for the while which, which alternate pastry to use. I originally was going to go with fritter, but I think crullers much Crullers, you nailed it. Absolutely. A Danish? You go with a Danish? Well, nah, I, mm. I, it has to be something you, else you'd feel very confident you'd find at a donut shop, but you don't think is quite as on the nose as fritter in terms of a uh, sister pastry. Uh, by the way, second Danish reference this week. That's that's always interesting. Uh, but Kyle Bearclaw might have lost his closer's job. Don Mattingly said he's considering removing Bearclaw from the closer's role, maybe just temporarily, and he did not commit to it by any means. But I'm going to guess Drew Steckenrider would be next man up there. Yeah, Bearclaw has blown three of his last four saves. His ERA has risen from 128 to 328 in his last five appearances. Uh, so, well, just there you go. since the start of July, he has an 11.32 ERA and a 20% strikeout rate, which is well below not just his career norm, but that's below average as well. All right, let's look ahead to Fantasy Week 20. We'll go through this list, obviously, uh, more in depth later on. But give me uh, some two-start pitchers to pick up. Oh, I got one. Oh, ho, ho. if he makes the starts, Luke Weaver. We talked about it yesterday. <laughs> well, he's seventy percent owned, so it's 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 he's just barely making what we could call the sleeper cutoff. And yeah. even with those tasty matchups, it's still concerning. There there aren't a lot of great scarcely owned options. I think not to reignite a debate, but I think the most interesting might act, act, uh, among those owned in like less than 50% of leagues might actually be Lance Lynn. Right, Boo! Now, reignite it. Now, honestly, you deserve to talk about it. You wanted to talk about it. Lance Lynn is in the rotation, and he's got good matchups next week at the White Sox. At, Texas has really been a tough matchup, but at the White Sox. But it's home not against, at Texas. Y- yeah, it's home. Ho- home yeah, against yeah, yeah, <laughs> But he's a ground ball pitcher. Like I said, he hasn't been giving up many home runs in – I think he has uh, whatever starts. He's at 1.1. It's one per nine. Yeah, but I mean, since he kind of turned his season around. Basically, like I said yesterday, the only thing he's been doing wrong, and he's been doing it very wrong, don't get me wrong, but the only thing he's been doing wrong over the past couple months is walking a lot of hitters. The strikeouts have been good. The home runs have been low. And like I said, he's one of the better ground ball pitchers in baseball. So, I, you know, I'm not excited to pick him up for two starts. Um, it's, it's a 13 appearance, 12 start stretch. That's the stretch I'm referring to. I'm not excited to pick him up for these two starts, but if, if you're desperate to pick up somebody, he's of the widely available options. He's my favorite. So that's Lance Lynn. And there have been a, you know, 13 appearance, 12 starts, 350 ERA. 413 FIP in that stretch. Four th- a 413 FIP is not that bad, right? It's pretty bad. Uh, it is? I'm gonna give you a list of pitchers, and I want you to tell me if they're good at pitching. Okay, <laughs> okay but I don't want to get derailed too much. Andrew Cashman. No. No. Cole Hamels. Yes. Julio Tehran. Eh. He's kinda in Lynn where, like... Ricky Nolasco. No. James Shields. Uh, this year has been pretty good. John Lackey. 
well, he's not pitching anymore, so no. He had a good career. Good career. (laughs) Okay, those are the only pitchers since the start of 2017 with a worse FIP than Lancelin. But but we're not talking about... No, since the the start of 2017. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean... He was not good last year. His first year. He hasn't been good this year. He hasn't been good this year either. But he's been pretty good over his last 13 appearances, 12 in the starts. Um, there are a, a number of pitchers who are 70 to 78 percent owned. That maybe one of them will show up on your waiver wire that are interesting. Um, Stroman, I don't know, got Boston and then Tampa Bay. So maybe that's the thing leagues. is the, the matchups are pretty rough. Yeah, Derek Rodriguez has Houston and Pittsburgh. Sabathia. Yeah, I mean, not that I mean, he's still one of the better ones, Derek Rodriguez, but he's over seventy percent owned too. Kyle, uh, Kyle Gibson, Gibson, Cleveland, and t- Detroit. Uh, Detroit's good. Yeah. I like. I I definitely start Kyle Gibson. Oh, G- Gibson, seventy six percent owned. Gibson's been good all year against Cleveland. In, fact, in his okay. last start, six innings, three runs. Uh, yeah, I I definitely start him, but you're probably not going to be right, able to pick him up. Right. Joe Musgrove's at Colorado. Oh yeah, it's, that's it's, not that's not going to go well. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, uh, uh, no, but Antonio Senzatello is a two-star pitcher. We'll talk about him. Another article on a great website, cbssports.com, talking about how good the Rockies starting pitchers have been lately. It's pretty remarkable stuff. Um, so that's a look at two-star pitchers for Fantasy Week 20. And again, we'll dive into it a little bit deeper later on in the show. We'll try to get to some weekend streamers as well. CBSSports.com, been talking about it a lot. How about CBS Sports HQ? That is our 24-7 streaming platform. It's awesome. It's got fantasy coverage. It's got coverage of every sport. Great analysis, smart analysis, but it's basically going back to the basics. It's scores, it's news, highlights. It's what you grew up watching when you used to love the highlight shows. CBS Sports HQ, how do you watch it? It's free. You don't have to sign up or anything like that. Um, go to cbsportshq.com or better yet, on your over-the-top device like a Roku or whatever you have, download the CBS Sports app. Everything is free. And just start watching CBS Sports HQ. All right, the big news. Mike Trout, he sat with a jammed wrist that he sustained sliding into third base. And I meant to look this up, but I forgot. But you guys probably remember because you are smarter than I am. Did he hurt his thumb or something sliding into second base last year or two years ago? That happened in his past. I know he had a, a fingy injury recently. I'm just like sometimes this happens, and I, you know, sliding in head first into a base. I'm starting to like if he gets hurt again. I don't know if he even got hurt the first time, but is that going to affect his steal numbers going forward? That's just where my head is at right he now. He sprained his thumb on a steal attempt last May. There it looks it is. like. All right, Adam, you were right. It took you a while to get there, but you were right. So that's two years in a row that Mike Trout has hurt his hand, wrist, thumb, whatever, sliding into a base. Uh oh, I mean, the- and and anytime you have a wrist injury, I think it's it's worth noting that that that's the kind of issue that can sap power and and lead to a a slump. Yeah, I want to say uh, I'm guessing just looking at the game log, it was 2014 where he had an August that was particularly bad because of a wrist injury. That's exactly what it was. Yep. Yep. And that, and that kind and- of. Remember what happened after that? We, you guys took Bryce Harper ahead of Trout. The next the year. year. Yeah. Fooled you. He has 21 steals. That's excellent number for him so far, but Trout's got a jam wrist and he's for now day to day, but could well, be more 20, significant. 2014 was one of his MVP seasons, Trout's. Oh, then maybe it was 2015? 20, but it was also his worst season statistically. 
which is interesting. Oh, all right. So that that's was, why that that's why it. I was guessing that was the season. But what it it was one season. Yeah. <laughs> At some point in the past. Uh D Gordon left with an ankle injury. We don't know the severity yet. We should know today. Xander Bogart's on track to return today. Steven Matz could go on the DL with a mild pronator strain in his forearm. The Mets are also concerned about Matz's workload, so I don't know how much you're gonna get from him rest of season. Oh my gosh, straight turner. He's now the number five shortstop in fantasy. Hmm. He homered and he stole two bases. He has eight steals in his last four games. Woo! He's red hot. Woo-hoo. Chris Sale expected back next week. Chris Bryant still has shoulder discomfort, has no timetable for a return. Yeah. And congratulations to Brad Ziegler, the first Diamondbacks relief pitcher to use the bullpen cart this year. Nobody else had used it yet? No Diamondbacks had used it. What is wrong with these? A couple people? of visitors. Oh, man. oh Ziggler had used he, it, I believe, as a visitor. Yeah, on Ziggler. Okay, I think so. so. And, and it had a horrible outing, so I doubt. I doubt they're going to let him. And by them, I mean his teammates. Uh, it was actually 2015 for Trout. Okay. He had four months that year where he hit over 300 with over a 1,000 OPS, and then in August he hit 218 with a 689 OPS. Oh yeah. Well, I hope that doesn't happen. We'll we'll stay tuned. Hopefully not. All right, Thursday standouts. I'm going to ask you not to pick Steve Pierce or any of the do- or any of the Dodgers double dongers. We're going to talk about them in a second. Did anybody stand out to you on Thursday other than the multi dongers? Uh, Michael Franco continues to do it. I think we talked about him on Wednesday, but he hit a was a walk off. Yeah, grand slam Thursday. We talked about him. Chris it was just it was just yesterday, and it was off. Kyle Bearclaw. It was on Bearclaw. Yeah. The Crowlers. I don't think I was on the podcast yesterday. You were so definitely on the podcast. We were doing the best of July and Michael Franco was one of them. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Michael Franco and, I mean, both him and Reese Hoskins both continued to do it. And, uh, Reese Hoskins I feel a lot more comfortable with, obviously, but Michael Franco, you know, maybe the breakout is happening. I, I don't know. It's really hard to say. I want to talk about Brandon Nimmo for a minute. See ya. A guy, a guy who I've been, uh, I bought into pretty hard and have been reluctant to buy out of, but it may be time. Right. I, I say that knowing he homered yesterday. That was his second home run since June 18th. He had hit 194 in 36 games during that stretch and yet he hit 194 in those 36 games, despite a 319 BABIP. And even though he's batting 240-something for the season, he has a 340 BABIP overall and just seems like a guy who strikes out way too much for uh, not having quite enough power to overcome that. So he's probably not three-outfielder league material anymore. Brandon Nimmo, yeah, he's on the drop-o-meter. I think he's 60% owned, so we'll just we'll just skip him on the drop-o-meter for later. Uh, I was going to nominate Ronald Acuna as a standout, somebody that we can all get excited about. Two for three with a triple, two runs and a steal and a walk at the Mets. He, his OPS is, like, really good now. It's somewhere around 850 for the season, which is a little surprising. But since, 837. 837. Since becoming the leadoff hitter, Ronald Acuna – Batting 372, 460 on base, 767 slugging in 12 games, 11 runs, four homers, four steals, six walks, 11 strikeouts. I mean, everything is clicking right now for Ronald Acuna. Thoughts? It it seems to have allowed him to tap into that stolen base potential that we knew he had, but there's always a question. Will the current MLB environment uh, 
where steals are generally frowned upon, will 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 the player get a chance to make the most of it? And in the leadoff spot, he said he had four steals. He has six all season. So that that's uh that's that's added to that. And it's you know, he just seems more comfortable in that spot. It's one he batted in in the minors a lot. And uh I think I think it may be happening. I think it may be starting the Acuna greatness that will hopefully yeah. last for the next so, decade so, uh, plus. So let's revisit the uh the fun dynasty topic or and even seasonal. Juan Soto. I mean at this point you cannot take Acuna no. over Soto in yeah, seasonal. Yeah, Soto's Soto's a monster. But what about in Dynasty? Uh, Soto. Soto. Like is how his has, command of the strike zone is preternatural. He's he's nineteen. Yeah. We think. I think Acuna just turned twenty. Uh so. well the, yeah, but I mean And it, it's worth noting, like has since, has a nineteen year old done this before? Yeah. Yeah. Frank Robinson was good as a nineteen year old. This Alex good? Rodriguez was good as a nineteen year old. This good? Yeah, I, think I, so. I don't think Alex yeah. I don't think Alex Rodriguez yeah. was this good at nineteen. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is worth <laughs> noting since since Ronald, I was just like, since Ronald Acuna came off the DL on June 29th, he has a like 970 OPS, which is awesome. Juan Soto, it has not been the best stretch of his season, and he still has a 946 OPS in that stretch. He's got seven home runs in 29 games. He doesn't run, so Acuna does have that. But if you're talking about the other four fantasy categories, I might give the edge to Soto in all four of them, right? Just because he. He's such an on-base monster. He's such a good hitter. Everything points to that. It's he is so impressive. the 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 plate discipline alone is it's just unheard of for a nineteen year old. So Alex Rodriguez, his big breakout season was his age twenty season, nineteen ninety six, and he began the year twenty that year. He turned twenty one mid season. So oh, that was a monstrous year. Hit three fifty eight. 1045 OPS, but it was a year older than Soto is. So, okay. Uh, how would you rank these players in a dynasty league? Let me think. I have four. I have three. I need a fourth. Okay, hold on. No, no teenager has ever had an on base percentage over 400 while qualifying for the batting title. Uh, now, Juan Soto has, does not currently qualify for the batting title. But oh well, then it was deceiving. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right, rank these four. Acuna, Soto, Jose Altuve, Chris Bryant. Uh, Dynasty. Yeah, I'll go Altuve. And I have a hard time not saying Bryant number two. And Soto and Acuna. Okay, I'm sorry. I need to update that, Adam. Okay. Among... Teenagers who have played at least, who have had at least 200 plate appearances in a season. None have had an on-base percentage over 400 except for Juan Soto. Mm, like None have had an on-base percentage over 380 since Mel Ott hmm. in 1928 when he had a 397 on-base percentage. Okay. This might be the greatest offensive season for a teenager in Major League history. You ought to know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Multi-dogs. I was just thinking, does his name qualify as a complete sentence? I know it's not spelled right, but that's the first time I've ever heard it in let, my head that way. Let Can anyone get do that? Show, let me get ought. the show on the road. Multi-dogs from yesterday. You goofballs on this Kokomo Friday. Steve Pierce actually having a pretty good year against righties, and two of his home runs came against righties. 
yesterday. Maybe he starts uh, getting more playing time. He's 7% owned. He had three home runs yesterday. Nelson Cruz, Didi Gregorius, they both hit two home runs. Um, Cruz is hot, six home runs in his last seven games. He was cold before that. Didi is now the number six shortstop in points, number seven in Roto, with uh, another 20 homer season for Didi. And then a couple of Dodgers, Chuck Peterson, 46% owned, two homers yesterday. And Yasiel Puig, 84% owned, on pace for basically what he did last year. He had 28 home runs and 15 steals last year, and he has 14 home runs and seven steals in 82 games this year. That's Puig. Uh, but let's talk about Steve Pierce, guys, and this three-homer game. Is it fantasy relevant? Not really. Uh, it's just a question of playing time for him, and he maybe he can earn some more, but I, Mitch Moreland's really good defensively, so they're probably not going to just replace him in the lineup, and I just don't think Steve Pierce is going to play every day. Yeah, it's been less playing time for Moreland since they acquired, like Pierce doesn't just play against lefties. He always plays against lefties, but he plays against some righties too. And Mitch Moreland's all-star candidacy <laughs> is flimsier and flimsier by the week. But yeah, Pierce but, has uh, started eight of the last 13 games for the Red Sox. So he's playing a little more than, yeah, I guess I gave him credit for there. Still not enough though. Yeah. Well, it's not, but if you're in a daily league, I mean, is, is he a good enough hitter to put on your roster and, and start when he's in the lineup? He's got a, a 973 OPS, Steve Pierce, you know. And he had an 867 OPS last year and a 930 in 2014. The the outlier at this point, you know, he has an 834 OPS over the last five seasons, so he's pretty good. All right, yeah, Steve Pierce, 7% owned. I think daily leagues is where you're looking. Anything I'm starting on? him in a 24-team league pretty consistently. Go. How about the Dodgers guys, Peterson and Puig? Peterson's 46% owned. Puig is 84% owned. Boy, one of these guys is going to have to stop playing well, or this is going to be a real nightmare. Yeah. So Turner, Justin Turner was back in the lineup yesterday, earlier than we expected. Um, Everybody homered. And Chris Taylor sat. Chris Taylor sat. Okay, that was yeah. Because I knew Muncie played, and obviously both of these two played. Peterson's not going to play against lefties, so that you know he's he's certainly a better daily league option, also a five outfielder league option probably. Um, but Puig is somebody who's playing time, I would have guessed, isn't, like, I don't think he's going to be a lineup fixture. I think he's going to be part of the group who sits occasionally. I, I, I feel like Puig's over-owned at 84%. I think I agree, yeah. Anything to say about Cruz or Didi Gregorius? I mean, Didi, we were, we were talking yesterday, um, he's... Uh, obviously he had a huge April, but it's not like he's been bad since then. He's, his last couple months have been He's been a good. top 100 hitter since the start of May, even with the really, really bad May. Like, I think he yeah. had like a 370 on, uh, OPS. Yeah, it was In so the month strange. of May. Um, so. But he's kind of settled in as Didi Gregorius. Since June 1st, 299, nine homers, six steals, 840 OPS. I mean, that's. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what you were hoping to get. Two right. home runs on the road yesterday, uh, which was nice because it's not usually what he does. He hit a home run off a lefty yesterday. Might hit two off a lefty. I'm not sure who the second one was off, but, um, yeah, so that was, you know, for me, like in a DFS kind of, uh, look at it, I, I like him at home against righties. He's unbelievable. 
but yesterday was on the road against a lefty, and Gregorius had a two-homer day. Uh, bullpen. We already know Bearclaw might lose his job. Do you think Wade Davis could be in any trouble? Because Adovino has just clearly been so much better than him. Davis has five blown saves. Now, 11 of his last 13 appearances have been scoreless, but in the other two, he's allowed seven earned runs. Do you think Wade Davis could be on the closer hot seat? Uh, I feel like the same thing happened to Greg Holland at this point last season, right? Yeah, he had a horrible August. Holland did when uh, he just lost the field for a slider and got it back before the end of the season. I don't think it's related to his issues this year. Um, but... No, I don't really feel like his job's in jeopardy. Okay. Wade Davis's. Well, Adovito's been good enough. I mean, it's kind of like Jeremy Jeffress. Like, Adovito's been even better than Jeffress. He's been good enough to own regardless if you just need ratios. And he's got a chance of being a closer. So, put him on, put him on your radar if he isn't already Adam Adovino. And he probably is. So let's take a look at the most added list here. And coming up later on the show, we're going to check in on those aces, Clayton Kershaw and Madison Bumgarner. How'd they do last night? We're going to rank Nick Pavetta and Mike Fultonevich and others. We are going to give you some deep league guys. we got the Addle the Dropple Meter, and, of course, Week 20 help. Oh, and we'll do some regulation a little bit later. The fantasy regulators are coming back. So I think everybody's very enthused about that. And I didn't have the music queued up, so I didn't get to play it. Boop, 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 boop. Something like that, right? Yeah, something something along those lines. Um, you know, we'll see if we can make that. Ah, there's a 15 second ad. I don't feel like sitting through it before that <laughs> plays on YouTube. Okay, most added players in CBS Sports leagues. Number one is Cole Calhoun, 62% owned. Yep, makes sense. Number two is Jose Leclerc. Number three is Lourdes Gurriel, who's up to 33%, and now you're stashing him on the DL. Uh, number four, yeah. Matt Chapman. Chris, uh, you spoke briefly about Chapman yesterday. Might might legitimately be break, breaking out. Yeah, he might be really good. All right. He has, in terms of real baseball context, you mentioned his defense yesterday. He has a war approaching six. He might be an MVP candidate. Uh, in a like in a non Mike Trout Mookie Betts season, he might well, turn into an MVP. I was gonna say all the NL MVP candidates we're talking about have wars around four. Yeah. And here Chapman's is approaching six. But well, what what am I missing here? I mean he's batting two sixty eight with thirteen home runs in ninety four games. He walks a lot. Um he's cut his strikeout rate. He has plus raw power. Yeah. Uh, he's striking out at a battle league average right now after striking out 28% of the time last year, and he hit 14 homers in 84 games last year. Um, yeah, you know what, you know who I think he could be in fantasy? Uh, you know, forget real world context, because obviously defense won't matter in fantasy, but I, I think he could be like good Kyle Seeger. Yeah. Okay. Um, who else we got on the most added list? We've talked about a lot of these guys, but Matt Boyd is on the most added list, and he is an available two-star pitcher next week. Matt Boyd, 41% owned. Any interest? I think his fastball velocity has been up, and he's striking guys out lately. And I uh, let me check that, but I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. Okay, let us know on that, boy. How about Derek mm-hmm. Holland? He's on the most data list. Derek Holland. Uh, unless unless there is a dramatic change in terms of uh, Boyd's velocity and the impact it's making, I would prefer Holland. Boyd Boyd has the 
the issue of a low BABIP and a fewer home runs than you'd expect for a guy who's a fly ball pitcher. I, there's, there's reason to think he hasn't, he's not nearly as good as he's been. Who? Derek Boyd. Holland? Oh, Boyd. 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 Okay, sorry. Uh, uh, so. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, his velocity in the month of July was actually two miles per hour up over where it was in April, uh, about a mile per hour up over where it was in May, so he's been steadily increasing, and you know he's on a nice stretch right now. Five starts with a 290 FIP, and he's getting a, a decent number of strikeouts in that stretch. I, he's interesting. I don't know if it's meaningful, but he's he looks like a slightly different pitcher and a slightly better one. And that's pretty much all I care about on the most out of this is we have talked about most of those guys. Uh, Anthony Swarzak is there, 17% owned. Is he the Mets closer? It looks like it. And, you know, his ERA is still over seven, I guess, on the year. <laughs> but he's been fine in the little bit since uh, entering that role. And, and he was awesome last year. I mean, he was a closer caliber reliever for the White Sox and Brewers last year. So it's, it's possible. He Give the man that. some credit. His ERA is 630, Scott. Oh, my bad. Anthony Swarzak. And also, uh, we got a 72% Roberto Ozuna. We've talked about that. We don't know for a fact that he's going to be the closer right away or anything, but there's a good chance. So, so, uh, obviously Ozuna could be a good ad for your team. A good ad for your phone would be the SeatGeek app. I got it on my phone. Chris talks about the concerts that he goes to. Scott doesn't really do anything, but if he did, he'd use the SeatGeek app. I use it, I really do, I wouldn't say I use it all the time, because I don't go to events all the time, but when I go to events, I use the SeatGeek app for sure. This is the first place I look, and it's usually the last place I look, because I know I'm getting amazing deals. You want an even better deal, get the great price, get the discount you're going to get on SeatGeek, just because SeatGeek is that efficient, get $20 more off your first purchase when you use the code FANTASY. So you're going to download that app, you're going to search for an event, you're going to find your seats, and use the code FANTASY for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to sports, comedy, concert, theater, whatever type of live event you want. If you're looking for a last-minute deal, if you're planning a night out, if you're looking for a good gift, actually bought you two tickets a few years ago on SeatGeek as a Valentine's Day gift for my wife and for me because I went as well. Um, yeah, I love the SeatGeek app. I swear by it. The feedback we get from the listeners is great. So download it and use the promo code FANTASY for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. News and notes. Jay Happ's on the DL. He may only miss one start. Sonny Gray out. Lance Lynn in. And Chance Adams could start at Boston on Saturday. And he, if he does, he will give up at least six runs. Uh, <laughs> Pablo Sandoval is out for the season. Chance Adams was a big prospect last year, but not so much this year. Pablo Sandoval out for the season with a hamstring tear. Tommy Pham left with a bruised foot. Jake Lamb out for the season with a shoulder injury. He should be ready for spring training. Jonathan VR came off the DL. Here's a couple of lineup notes for you. VR off the DL. He led off for Baltimore. He went two for five with a run. VR is 31% owned. Underowned, overowned, or is the partage just right for VR? Oh, if he plays every day, it's definitely underowned, and I don't know why he wouldn't play every day given what's left in Baltimore. Uh, he's he's definitely somebody who will run. Yep, that might be all he does. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, uh, Chris Taylor sat. Brian Dozier homered again. Ender Inciarte sat against a lefty, as we feared he might, with uh, Duvall in the lineup. And David Peralta returned from a shoulder injury. 
Marcelo Zuna is day-to-day. He expects to play today. He has a toe injury. Mike Moustakas sat against a lefty. Clayton Kershaw was on the mound, so Shaw was in. Moustakas was out, which is the reverse of what happened on Wednesday. Tyler mm-hmm. O'Neill batted third and played right field for St. Louis. Two walks, 22 strikeouts so far for Tyler O'Neill. He's 25% owned, over-owned, under-owned, just right. Under-owned. Yeah, I would agree. Now, it, it has been a 50-50 split, as the Cardinals said it would be, but I just, I think he's a much better hitter than Bader, Harrison Bader. And, and um, he's certainly just much more interesting for our purposes. Like Harrison yeah. Bader, over the course of a full season, might develop into a 2020 guy with like a 275-ish average, and that's not nothing, but Tyler O'Neill has 40 homer upside. He could steal 20 bases. He might hit 230 while doing it, but there's there's a lot to like in his fantasy profile. And Elvis Andrews has a 13-game hitting streak. So let's check in on those aces. Just a couple of them. I, I didn't put Granky on here, but feel free to talk about Granky. Clayton Kershaw and Madison Bumgarner. Did you see encouraging signs, discouraging signs? I watched a lot of the Giants game, and uh, it wasn't a very good start for him. And, and he admitted, I think he said he didn't have his best stuff. Got out of two early bases loaded, one out jams, gave up just one run in each of the first, in the first two innings. He had a bases loaded, one out. So Bumgarner, I, it really was not that encouraging, but just one start. Uh, Kershaw had 15 swinging strikes. That's a pretty good number for him, but he is not going deep into games. Only one start of more than six innings and eight starts since coming off the DL. I'll throw it over to you guys, Bumgarner and Kershaw. But consistently going six for Kershaw. Yeah. Um, which is still pretty impressive in today's pitching environment. Like, I don't think there's anything really to worry about, about with Clayton Kershaw, but, um, like, I don't think he's going to be Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, I think just, he's going to be an ace caliber pitcher. Yeah, it depends how you calibrate it. Is right. he in the discussion for best pitcher in baseball now? Probably not, but the decline phase of Clayton Kershaw, he still led the National League in ERA last season. I think he's third this season. So, yeah. like, Regard, yeah, he's not the same guy he was before. He's still awesome. Now, is Bumgarner awesome? I'm not sure about that. I don't think it's the concerns we're seeing with Bumgarner. I, I don't think it's like Matt Harvey a couple years ago mm-hmm. where he managed to keep the ERA low, but you feared it was going to get a lot worse, and it did. Like, I don't think it's going to get worse for Bumgarner, and he's fine now as he is. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, dating back to last year when he returned from the shoulder injury, he just doesn't look like the same guy. Yeah. Yep. Their strikeouts are just way down. 56 and 66 and two thirds. And Scott, you have Bumgarner 21st behind Carrasco, Barrios, McCullers, just ahead of Clevenger, Chris Archer. So that's a, you know, and, and Heath has Bumgarner 21st as well in a very similar range of pitchers. So that's how they're feeling about Bumgarner right now, just outside the top 20. All right, some more pitchers. Rank them. Andrew Heaney, Mike Fultonevich, Yolisha Seen, and Nick Pavetta. Andrew Heaney, Mike Fultonevich, Yolisha Seen, and Nick Pavetta. I will go Heaney. And then I, I'm still going to go Fultonevich over Pavetta, but I could be talked into Pavetta instead. Shasin's a distant fourth. We were waiting for that start he had yesterday. Finally happened. We did get a pretty good email about him that I I don't know if you... Was it from Justin, I I believe? Yes. But then did you get the follow-up email? (laughs) 
Because he wrote this yeah. email about how we're not respecting Yolisha's scene, and then, well, he, then he was like, it was, oh, it last was night didn't help. Relative to Carlos Rodon, who has a 188 BABIP in the month of July to go with his 1.88 ERA. That wasn't a bad point, though. He said you can't disrespect Yolisha scene and respect Carlos Rodon, who also has a really well, low BABIP. I, I think there's context there that needs to be added, which is that Carlos Rodon is coming back from a shoulder injury. Carlos Rodon is really young. Carlos Rodon has shown in his career that he pitches better as the season goes on, and he gets a little more comfortable throwing that changeup. So there are reasons to believe Carlos Rodon has better days ahead of him, not necessarily the same for Julius Chassin, and this was a good example. Chassin does have San Diego next week. It's at home, so keep that in mind. But, yeah, number one was easy, Andrew Heaney, and then uh, Scott goes Fulte, Pavetta, and Chassin. Pavetta had a great matchup, and he has stunk this year, well, a lot of times, I know terms, the peripherals are, in, are good, but in terms of run prevention, he is stuck. Yeah. Stunk. Yeah, the peripherals are really good. In the last three starts, which includes yesterday's good start, twenty-eight strikeouts to two walks mm-hmm. in three starts, and I think if you go take it four starts, it's thirty-five strikeouts to four walks. So that's a really good ratio. His FIP is around three fifty, so more than a run lower than his ERA. But you know what we never talk about is hits. Because he gives up, Nick Pavetta gives up a, a lot of hits. And I th- sometimes we just chalk it up to Babbitt. But maybe guys are just hittable. I don't know. I, okay, I, I don't so know. this is, alright. I, I tweeted this uh, three days ago, before this most recent start. Nick Pavetta, he may just be one of those outliers who gives up way too many hits and he's just too hittable and doesn't show up in the numbers. But... He ranks 80 in the 83rd percentile in DRA, which is Baseball Prospectus's uh, pitching peripheral stat. He ranks 69th percentile on FIP, 84th percentile on XFIP, 67th percentile on Sierra, 67th percentile on X expected WOBA. Basically, every tool that we have to evaluate a pitcher's talent level, he is at least above average and sometimes well 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 above average mm-hmm. i feel it you know, i feel that so they could all be wrong but when they all agree yeah i don't know i i, I still believe he has much more upside than anyone in this group whoa oh then heaney yes i think heaney's good but i don't think heaney has like 11 strikeouts per nine upside i think pavetta does all right, let's move on. Deep leagues. You want any of these guys? Antonio Senzatella, Brad Keller, Robbie Erlin. No? Okay, great. Let's move on then. <laughs> Adometer. These three hitters are hitting pretty damn well lately. Austin Hedges, Padres catcher. He is 30% owned, top five catcher in the last 28 days. Four- now that, that is my favorite name that's a complete sentence austin hedges yeah. <laughs> once you hear it that way you can't unhear it <laughs> uh, i don't think ought really works because I'm, I'm not really sure in modern english you can have ought without another verb following it but or at least the word to i guess um but anyway uh well let me, i don't let, think let me give the other two. is really a great offensive catcher right, let me give and, the other two real quick scott sorry austin hedges trey mancini kendris morales uh, Hedges, Mancini, Morales. Do you think any of them are, you know, worth adding? Um, no. Austin Hedges plays catcher and has a pulse, so. <laughs> but he also has Francisco Mejia breathing down his neck yeah. now. I think Trey Mancini's actually overowned at 34%. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. He, well, I mean, he overachieved in 
a lot of ways last year. Uh, a lot of home runs for the fly ball rate and a high BABIP. I would, didn't expect the heart, the fall to be this hard, but, but, uh, I didn't expect him to do what he did last year either. I'm actually more interested in some of the pitches you, pitchers you've lost over than these hitters. Sensitella, Keller, and Erlen? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I apologize. Um, well, I, I yeah. think Keller and Erlen, um, they're not there yet, but they have the potential to be mixed league relevant. Keller's such a good ground ball pitcher, and two of his last three starts, he's had a lot of strikeouts. The one in between, only one strikeout, so there's that. But uh, And then Erlen has a .94 whip on the year. He's just such a good control pitcher. If he stays in the rotation, um, it, I, I think there's a path for him to be relevant. Yeah, I shouldn't have skipped over them. Erlen, 1% owned for the Padres. He has made almost nothing but relief appearances. He's made three starts. Had a good start at the Cubs last night. And, uh, like, like I said, 1% owned, so maybe he can help some people out. Nothing on Kendris Morales, though. He's got a 974 OPS in his last 45 games. What happened? He, like, ditched his glasses and he got better? I, I wanna say, I, I wanna say he doesn't play every no, day. I think he, I think he plays pretty much every day now, but yes, we should check on that. I know there was yeah, a bit of a lately he has been. Yep. Basically, since the All-Star break, he started every game. 15% owned. I mean, that's really low. I, Is he still only DH eligible? Uh, no, I think he's, fir- he's first base eligible okay. now. Yeah, he's probably under-owned at 15%. The problem is we've talked a lot about how the top of the first base rankings are not great this year, but the... There's a great big middle, yeah. and like the 12 through 28 guys at first base right. are all kind of interchangeable. I think I have CJ Crone about 30th in my first base. Right, and like and he's on a close to a 35 homer pace. I think I'd rather start Kendris Morales right now than CJ Crone. I would have rather started CJ Crone when he was hot, but I think that explains why Kendris Morales is so low. Is that just nobody really needs that guy? Sure. And the dropometer. All right, so we already talked about one guy on the dropometer, Brandon Nimmo. Let's talk about some other guys. Are you ready to drop any of them? Zero to ten. Zero is no way I'm not dropping them. Why would you ask? Ten is of course I'm dropping them. I already did. Mitch <laughs> Haniger, ninety nine percent owned. Mitch Haniger, zero to ten. Three, but he's at like a ten on the we probably overreacted to his Aprilometer. Yeah, I, that is a fun meter. I haven't really broken that one out lately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, alright, so just, Gregorious. A, just a three for, uh, Kend- for Mitch Hanniger, excuse me. How about Angelton Simmons? Since coming off the DL on June 16th, so a month and a half now, he is the number 18 shortstop in points, number 26 in Roto. Angelton Simmons. Now that surprises me, cause, and, and I know this, this gets tricky because, you know, some of our in-house leagues, we, uh, manipulated how that short week after the All-Star break worked, but, uh, I actually have him in the podcast league, the original podcast league, the 12 team points league. And, um, he has clearly been the highest point scorer lately over Jan Hervis Solarte and Eduardo Escobar. I think he's coming off back to back 20 point weeks in that format, which is always a good thing, a 20 point week from a hitter. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with him. Like he's more valuable in points than Roto because the strikeouts, uh, are the the lack of strikeouts are such a big part of his contribution in that format. My question is with Simmons is because the dropometer has got to be calibrated differently for league format. But 
you say he's more valuable in points. Is he only valuable in points? Because he's not running. Only six steals this year. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. Last year he was running quite nine, a bit. 19 steals last yeah. year for Simmons. But that gets into an issue of, you know, maybe not in the head-to-head categories league if you just have the shortstop spot, but in the standard roto league when you have the middle infield spot, that also needs filling. I think he's I, fine I am, there. I imagine he started in most in most roto leagues. All right. But much less owned. All right, so we're going to put him pretty low on the drop meter. How about Cesar Hernandez, who is a top 13 second baseman. Since June 1st, he has a 663 OPS and a low batting average this year for Hernandez. It kind of makes sense because he's hitting a lot more fly balls. Um, and the BABIP is down. But uh, Cesar Hernandez on the drop meter, 0 to 10. I, I went with some pretty high-end guys, three guys that are owned in more than 90% of leagues. So I'm interested in seeing, uh, let's see, that's most of the time for, for, yeah, for at least part of the time as Drupal Cabrera has been a Philly, they've had the DH spot and he's filled it. Uh, he started one game for Cesar Hernandez before they went to Boston for two games. So basically what I'm trying to say is I don't think Cesar Hernandez is immune from Cabrera's interference. And if he ends up being one of the guys who suffers from it the most, I think Kingery will the most, but Kingery's still going to play, they say. And uh, Michael Franco hasn't suffered from it yet. So if, if Cesar Hernandez is starting, is sitting a couple times a week for Cabrera, that, that pretty much ruins his points league appeal. And points leagues is, that's his best format. So I think he's probably like a five on the drop a meter. Okay. Finally, Eric Hosmer, 89% owned. He does have a nine game hitting streak. He has one extra base hit in that nine game hitting streak. It's a double. Hosmer with his 706 OPS. He's probably like an eight. Yep. Unbelievable. Scott, any prospects we need to know about? New ones other than the Loy Jimenez and Vladimir Guerrero, who we're going to keep talking about until they get called up or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they're still the top of the list just because the impact they could make is so big. Uh, beyond them, the main ones I'd be looking to stash are ones we've already seen before, Kyle Tucker and Austin Meadows, who I think will both be back sooner than later. Um, I'm going to add Michael Kopech to the list of prospects to watch. It's possible, like Aloy Jimenez, the White Sox just decide to keep him down all year, though I will remind people Reese Hoskins didn't come up until August 11th last year, and of course he was the story of the last two months of the season. So it's it's not too late. Uh, but Kopech, after struggling with walks all season, over 6 BB per 9, um, for most of the season, his last four starts, he has four walks to 32 strikeouts, and it's it coincides with, uh, according to MLB.com, his AAA pitching coach kind of laid into him one day when he was complaining about bad umpire calls on full counts, and he's like, look, don't get the full counts. And he's <laughs> kind of taken his velocity down just a little, and it seemed to have uh, helped a lot. So, um, Kopech? Kopech, yeah, Michael Kopech, who yep. a lot of people thought was the best pitching prospect in baseball coming into the year. He is far from a lost cause. We may see him yet. Sorry to be a homer, but you think we're going to see Justice Sheffield? I think we'll see him in some capacity uh, at some point. It may not be till September, and it may be in relief. Okay. Uh, let's do some rapid-fire emails and hear from the people. The first one is not rapid fire. The rest we can do pretty quickly. This is from Mike. 
listening to you guys talk about Luke Weaver yesterday reminded me of how we talked about Aaron Nola a year and a half or two years ago. Performed as an ace light for a stretch, and it's backed up by big K rates in the minors, particularly a strong double A rate. Some a performance related to getting ahead in the count and wish stuff was a bit better. Then Nola had a velocity gain and is a top eight starting pitcher. Any chance Weaver is a sneaky buy in a dynasty league with this Nola comparison in mind? I uh, The thing to keep in mind is that comparisons aren't the future. And so, yes, Aaron Nola turned into a very good pitcher. There are lots of guys who didn't strike anybody out in the minors who didn't. Oh, but Luke Weaver... He had decent strikeouts. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't even Aaron Nola in terms of strikeouts in the minors. Well, no, Aaron Nola had a worse strikeout rate. Yeah. 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 Um that's yeah, he was like I didn't when Luke Weaver was getting called up, I didn't think strikeouts are a problem for this guy. So I would be more likely to buy than sell on him in a dynasty league given where he is right now. The the one thing to keep in mind though is the really bad Aaron Nola season in twenty sixteen when he had a four seventy eight ERA. He had a three oh eight FIP. Uh Luke Weaver has a 4.75 ERA and a 4.19 FIP this season. So, yeah. Uh, he, what was his FIP? 3.08. Aaron Nola. No, no, no. Weaver. Did you just give it? 4.19. 419. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still like Weaver. I actually do think he has good stuff. I don't know if he has great stuff, but uh, he, he needs to be. He needs to be a strike thrower on the level of Nola, and he can be, and he hasn't been this year. And this is what happens. I feel like that basically sums it up. Yeah, I think he's more like a mid-rotation guy. From Sean. Hey, real quick, Hanniger or Conforto? I think Conforto has a lot more upside. I think Hanniger's probably more useful right now. Okay. I would I would definitely take Hanniger. From Colin. Dynasty League, which walks count. I was offered Altuve for my Juan Soto. I rejected it. Am I crazy? No. I mean, Scott I, just took Altuve ahead yeah, of Soto, but uh, I mean, Altuve you're not crazy. Is That's nine years old. Like, what? How? 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 I would not do it. Does it have to be for you to be crazy? I would not do it unless it was a dynasty league where you're keeping them on uneven terms. But since he didn't say that, we can't assume that. We, uh, you know, you just keep however many players, and it doesn't. It costs you the same thing to keep each of them. Um, in that case, I would definitely rather have Altuve. Uh, from Jose, uh, should I drop Tommy Pham for Jake Bowers in a 10-team Roto League? 10-team uh, Roto League. Uh, I don't I don't think I would do that in Roto. In points leagues, I would. In Roto, uh, I feel like the potential for steals and the, the fact that Bowers' walks aren't really going to count for anything. Of course, Pham's a pretty good walk guy himself. Uh, I would stick with Pham. From Kevin, dear Posey, Douglas, and Rhymes. Busters. Yeah. Forgot, Bu- forgot Busters booth. slash Bustas. Yeah. Uh, going forward, <laughs> if, if I have to play one, which Red Sox first baseman is the best option, Moreland or Pierce? I think it's Pierce. Yeah, I think so. Neither are great, but prefer Pierce. Uh, I think you guys are about to lose your man card. Rick in San Diego says, Dear Dylan, Mac, and Dutch. No, I know this. This yeah. is a shield. Um, Is it? Oh no! No, it's not. no it's never not. mind. No, oh, oh my god! I was thinking Vic Mackey, it's Predator, Predator, it's Predator. Okay. Yeah, there is a Dutch and Predator. The new Revoked. one looks really good. The new one? There's a new one. They're remaking yeah. Predator. Shut up! And it looks really good. Oh, terrific! All right, much like Manny Machado last year, do you think we're going to see Super Bryce Harper for the rest of the season? 
I'm not going to answer it. I've said it a million times. Scott, I'll ask you. Do you think we're going to see Super Bryce Harper? He's getting, he's heating up a little bit. I think we're going to see. He's definitely heating up. Um, I yeah, I mean, he's going to be he's going to be the first round caliber player you drafted him to be. I would say that at any point in the season from this point forward, he's going to be a first round caliber player. So that's that's what I'll say now too. All right, I'm only going to read one more here. Nick from Chicago, would you rather trade? Manaya and Minter for Stripling or just Manaya straight up for Darvish? Manaya and Minter for Stripling or just Manaya straight up for Darvish? Nick Miller? Nick Miller, yeah, from Chicago. Same guy. Um He's, he's not... from Chicago? Nick Miller, yeah. yeah. Well the it's a whole thing. He lives in LA, but he moved. It's the whole thing. They go to Chicago multiple he's times. He's like a Bears show. Bulls no. fan. Yeah. yeah, okay. No, I'm sorry. I got confused. We, <laughs> we, so we are talking about the fictional character from New Girl yes. and not the guy who plays in our podcast league. Because there's a guy in one of oh, our podcast oh, leagues named Nick Miller. Oh. And I laugh every time he makes a transaction because just the... Because he's Nick Miller? I, I, yeah. <laughs> I would rather trade Manaya and Minter for Stripling. I I think there's a pretty good chance you get nothing out of Darvish the rest of the season. Oh, please don't say that. All right, let's go to the two-star pitchers. We've got Sean Mania, Dodgers, and at the Angels. Cool with it? Yeah. Yeah, the Angels are pretty bad against lefties. We got Sean Newcomb at Washington and home against Milwaukee. I think I'd do it after the – yeah, I think I'd do it. Not with great confidence, but I'd do it. 134 pitches last time out, I think. Yeah, it, it could get really like he was awesome last time out. He made me look like a big old dummy. Say that in your ranch wilder voice. He's got to be tired. He's thrown 134 <laughs> pitches. What is that? Who's that? That's uh, Angels and Alpha. Remember uh, uh, Mel Clark? He, he's I, got I, to I, be tired. He's thrown 156 pitches. Um, Sean Newcomb, by the way, I'm not sure he's going to make the two starts if they have a uh, six-man rotation. Because he's starting Tuesday. I'm not sure. Right. Worth looking into. Uh, Cole Hamels at Kansas City, home against Washington. <laughs> this is when our podcast is at the best. The yeah, well, I I, well, they don't have their six man rotation yet, you know. So yeah, they're going. To. No, they they that that the the Gosman acquisition and the rainout has really. Uh, we don't know. We don't know who's starting when. All right. How about Cole um, Hamels, guys? Starter sit uh, at KC and home against Washington. Start. Yeah, I think you probably have to. Rich Hill at Oakland and at Colorado. Start. start. All right. You're going to say start for all these guys. What about Tyone? Tyone at Colorado at San Francisco. I think you probably have to start him. If you're starting Rich Hill, Rich Hill's better than Jamison Tyone, but uh, yeah. at San Francisco is a better matchup than at Oakland. <clears throat> yeah. If you're yeah. starting Rich Hill, I think you're starting. I might Rich not in a roto league, but I probably would, even there. Kyle Freeland, home, two, two starts at home for Freeland, Pittsburgh and the Dodgers. I mean, he's fine at home, but he just hasn't been good recently, so. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. Just in points. Marcus Stroman, Boston and Tampa Bay at home. I don't think I could in Roto. Definitely not in Roto. Yeah. Or categories. But points is fine. I'd do it in points. Stroman. Uh, Derek Rodriguez, Houston and Pittsburgh at home. Points. Yep. CeCe Sabathia at the White Sox, home against Texas. Yeah, I mean, maybe in points. He hasn't been very yeah, good points. recently either. Kyle Gibson at Cleveland and at Detroit. Yes. Yeah, points. Yeah. 
I do it in everything. All right, Luke Weaver at Miami at KC. We talked about that a lot. <laughs> like those matchups are so good, so good. I know. I do it. I would only I'm, do I'd it in do points. It. I would only do it in points. You know, there actually have been some pretty good starts for Luke. Like three of his last five starts have been very good. The other two were terrible. They were at the Cubs and home against Colorado. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, no way we're starting Joe Musgrove. He's got to start at Colorado and then at San Francisco. And he never gets strikeouts. Or at least he hasn't very much lately. Wade LeBlanc at Texas and at Houston. 53% owned? No. Stop. I know he's RP eligible, but. Oh, he's coming off an amazing start. I think he had like a nine strikeout start or something. I think you're thinking of Wade Miley. Yeah, Wade LeBlanc has been. No, Wade LeBlanc had a really good start last time out. It no, might have been a tenth strikeout. Three, three times out. Three times ago, it was great. Last time out, he gave up seven runs and four and a third. Um, anyway, starter sit LeBlanc at Texas and at Houston. Okay, so two weeks ago. <laughs> Sometime in 2018. Uh, how about Matthew Boyd, Felix Hernandez, Dan Straley, Lance Lynn, Drew Pomerantz? I would probably <laughs> put Boyd at the top of that very not great list. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Scott, just say Lance Lynn, Scott. It's okay. That's yeah, no, I've, I've already Lance. said Lance Lynn, so yeah. I will... Say Lance Lynn again. And then we got Jake Junis, Clayton Richard, Alex Cobb, Nick Tropiano, Kashner, Senzatella, Cologne, Gallardo, Covey, Mejia, Tommy Malone. All right. <laughs> that was gross. That was gross. I feel like I have to go change a diaper now. But instead, how about we do some regulation? All right, listen, we're going long today. We're going long. Yeah. Sorry uh, for the long show. Hope it's okay with everybody. This is from Brian. Dear Manny, Chris, Tommy, and Brian. Those are players dealt near the deadline this year. I thought they were Machados. I received a message. I thought they were from the Shield. I received a message from an owner that he had a special request. Can you please re-add Michael Waka to my team? I must have pocket dropped him while I was at work. (laughs) After looking into the situation, it took him almost 24 hours to bring his pocket drop to my attention. First of all, have you ever heard of such a ridiculous request? And second, what would the regulators do in this situation? P.S. A few days later, he sent out a message to the whole league. Somehow smoke accidentally got dropped off my phone. Didn't mean to. Please leave him for me to re-add. What are you doing, my guy? <laughs> what is going on? What is this? Oh, that's, um. I think he picks, I think you get one. Yeah. I think you get one pocket drop. Yeah. That's never happened to me. Yeah. yeah seriously. I mean, usually, like, you gotta, you get, you know the people who you're playing with for the most part, and I, you know. Like, I, you, you let him. Yeah, usually, I mean, things happen. It, I, I'm usually pretty forgiving, but if it happens twice in the span of a week, that's It's hard it. to come up with a, like, <laughs> a nefarious reason why he would have dropped Michael Waka and Justin Smoke, so I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but like, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you? Come on. Lock what your is phone, your bro. life? Lock your phone. All right. Next up. Let's see. Uh, we can regulate here. Doc, Richard, and William. Dear Doc, Richard, and William. Those are Browns. Uh, they are. I like just saying something ridiculous and then like waiting for you to respond. <laughs> Good job. Uh, will you please pre-regulate an issue before it becomes a problem? I'm in a 16-team head-to-head, long-running league where six teams make the playoffs. Turn it up. But it's so fun. 
Um, my best friend in the league and I have a very similar record and currently sit in the final playoff spots. We also play each other in the second to last week. I'm not asking if it's okay to throw a game to help a friend. I consider that cheating. But if a tie for each of us would clinch both teams a spot, is it fair that we both bench our entire lineup so that we tie and both make the playoffs? You should both be kicked out of the league. Yeah, are you kidding? This is terrible. This is, this is Andrew, by the way. That Yes, you cannot do that. Are you that kidding, Andrew? Awful. Unbe- like, unbelievable. Unbelievable that you would even consider sending that. I'm offended. Yeah, really Chris bad. coming strong during the regulators segment today. Good for you, Chris. Those, yeah. are, those are browns. All right, next up, we've got Kara Stewart. Dear Soto, Acuna, and Allard. All those right. are Colby's. Those are, they're from the <laughs> Shield. Um, okay, it's kind of a long one, so stay, pay attention. Names below have been changed to protect the innocent. I play in a 10-team head-to-head categories league made up of friends that seems to chronically have a hard time finding enough owners to keep things interesting. A few months ago at our book club lunch, I was chatting with Kimberly, one of the owner's wives, teasing her that I was crushing her husband that week in our fantasy matchup. She confided, you know what's funny? He doesn't even do anything with that team anymore. It's all Mason, our 11-year-old son. Mason, Mason did the draft and makes all the moves. This was news to me, but explains a lot of why the owner only sporadically manages his team. It's gotten to the point where the other league members, thinking it's the dad who's managing, have started to complain about his neglect and all the categories being forfeited. Come to think of it, these problems have been going on for several seasons with him being <laughs> ultra-motivated in brief stretches and then totally disinterested. So the kid probably took over a while ago. It's gotten worse with each passing week. I finally told the commissioner what I had learned. He seems hesitant to boot this owner for next year because, frankly, we have a lot of flaky owners for various reasons. I feel like our league wasn't designed for 11-year-olds, and we wouldn't allow an 11-year-old to join if they asked outright. How should this be handled? I mean, what does Mason have going on that he can't handle a fantasy? Like, what, you got a job, Mason? You, you're, you're busy? <laughs> you're going into the office with your little 11-year-old briefcase? You're talking about the 11-year-old? Like the summer, Come on. Stand, <laughs> step up and manage your team. Mason. What is happening to Chris Towers today? I mean, I don't have anything. Um, and... And I know this email. She tweets me a lot. Um, I don't have anything against an 11 year old, um, managing a team on principle. That's, that's fine. Like, Scott coming in strong with the pro 11 year old take. Well, I mean, why can't an 11 year old play fantasy baseball? I don't think that's reason to boot him. Now, activity, a lack of activity there, you know, owners that that's always subject to a replacement. Um, but you know, I, I think the commissioner has to be motivated to do it. Um, I don't, uh, you know, you can obviously influence the commissioner on that along those lines, but there has to be a replacement. Maybe if you have somebody in mind who this person's really interested and in, I think would do a great job, it would, it would help to push the commissioner that direction. I think we need, uh, punitive measures for the 11 year old. No more Paw Patrol until you set your lineup, Mason. 11 year olds don't watch Paw Patrol. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna say this, Kara. I don't think there's anything you can do here other than approach the dad and ask him to take it a little bit more seriously. I wouldn't kick him out of the league because you don't have enough of a league. Uh, it's a problem. This is an issue in a lot of leagues where, where owners just don't take it seriously. So if you can't find anyone, I think you're stuck with him. I would have a nice, mature chat with him. Nothing like what Chris Towers is saying. Start taking money out of Mason's college fund. Okay, you could also do that. And uh, good luck to you. All right, let's look at the Friday matchups. Tyson Ross and Jose Quintana. Quintana. Uh, yes. I wouldn't start Ross. Yes. Correct. John Gant at Chris Archer. Archer. Yep. Feel good about Archer, not about Gant. Trevor Richards at Vince Velasquez. 
Vince Velasquez. Yes. Richards is coming off a pretty good start. He's he been interesting, but not interesting. Not yet. Anthony DiScafani at Gio Gonzalez. Gio. <laughs> I'd rather not start Gio. Even yeah. though he was okay last time, it was four walks to four strikes. Yeah, I'm probably going to pass on both. All right, tough one here. Luis Severino at Rick Porcello. You can't sit Luis Severino. I, I know. I know. And I, I actually may have Ooh. in the league where I have him. So. <laughs> I don't think it's crazy I might, I might be lying. Severino. And just, you know, feel feel good. Like, if you sit Luis Severino and he has a great start, feel good about it. Okay, no, yeah. You know, I, breathe I, a sigh of relief. He's okay. I started Luis Severino. You start him. Um, <laughs> I, I have no problem starting Porcello, for what it's worth. Yeah, same. Anibal Sanchez at Jacob deGrom. I feel good about both. Yep. Lucas Giolito at Rust, uh, well, at Lucas Giolito at the Rays. No. Jaime Berea at Mike Clevenger. Clevenger, yes. Berea, no. David Hess at, uh, Ariel Harado. Uh, yeah. I think, I think you answered that one. Hunter Philmeyer. <laughs> Heath Philmeyer. Heath Philmeyer. As in no. <laughs> no. And Jacob nope. Arizzi. I, I think you answered that one. <laughs> uh, Armand Marquez at Junior Guerra. At would, Junior Guerra. Yeah, I think I'd probably, I, I know Junior Guerra's been good and we've been doubting him all season, but I still don't buy it. I'd start both. Ooh, okay. Hmm. Oatsies. And Milwaukee as opposed to Colorado? Mm-hmm. Not that Milwaukee's a pitcher friendly place, but nothing compares to Colorado. Chris Stratton at, at uh, Patrick Corbin. <laughs> okay, Shanae. Uh, yes, Corbin, no Stratton. Yeah. Blaine Hardy at Brian, uh, Brett Anderson. Uh, nope. Uh, yep. Yep, Ryan Barucki at Marco Gonzalez. It's confusing the way you're answering these, Chris. I, uh, yeah, I not, mean, look. Yeah. Jeez, Chris. If, if the host doesn't know the name of the guy, <laughs> I'm not going to start him. I get what you're saying. I think that's a pretty good I role. know Brett Anderson. I don't know why I said Brian Anderson. Brian <laughs> um, Barucki at Marco Gonzalez. Marco Gonzalez, yes. Ryan Barucki, yes. The Mariners have been pretty bad lately. If he has Their a bad closer. Start, had more wins above replacement in the month of July than their entire offense. Uh, if there's a bad start, I'm going to call him Yucky Barucky. Justin Verlander and Alex Wood start them both. Have a great weekend, everybody. Have a, be- have a blessed Kokomo Friday. And we'll talk to you on Monday with a re- weekend recap as we get into week 20. See you later.